Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Not Your African Cliché. Before we get into today's episode though, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, where we are Not Your African Cliché, as well as SoundCloud, where we are NYAC Podcast. Don't forget to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, we are Not Your African Cliché, Twitter, at NYAC Podcast, and Instagram, NYAC underscore podcast. You can also email us at notyourafricancliche at gmail.com. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Your African Cliché. My name is Ify and I have with me my three amazing co-hosts as well as a special guest, but we'll go around and introduce ourselves before I tell you who the guest is. Hey everyone, it's Amayo. Hey everyone, it's Ife. Hey guys, this is Onyeka aka Yeka O. So we have a special guest. Her name is Ozoz, and she is the powerhouse behind the blog called Kitchen Butterfly. And she dedicates her blog to everything food um, in its entirety. So from cooking and photographing food to writing about food, as well as the history behind the food that she's cooking or writing about. And I learned a special fact, which is Azaz um, is actually an alum of the Farafina workshop. (laughs) (laughs) So Azaz, can you say hello to the the fans out there? (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is Azaz from Lagos. And yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be talking to this amazing woman and mm. excited. Welcome. Yeah. Excited so we're to, happy have you. to have you. Thank you. <laughs> and so I, I'm sure the other women have questions for you, Zoz. Um, but I wanted to know when you started Kitchen Butterfly and what inspired you to start Kitchen Butterfly. But I also was curious about how kitchen running kitchen butterfly has shaped your relationship and understanding of food so i started kitchen butterfly in 2009 at that time i was living and working in the netherlands and essentially going through some kind of life crisis i'm not sure whether it was mid quarter but i was going through this period of intense wondering about who I was, what I was called for, what I was doing, if my life had meaning, purpose. Um, At that time, I worked at Shell and I was working in the headquarters. So there was a lot of competition, a lot of, um, it's very high profile. And Mm. I just didn't feel good enough. And I don't, I think it was many things. It was being female, it was being there was my own personality. I've, I mean, I'd always kind of been this um, pacificist, like this person who didn't like to be contrarian, didn't like to rock the boat, wanted everything to be mm. nice and, you know, mm. amazing. But then I, you know, I was working with people from different cultures, outlooks, and it was hard. 
And so I started looking for a safe space, a space where I could be myself without fear of one label, without fear of not matching up or not meeting up to some expectations. And one of the things that I realized is I'd been reading blogs for years. I'd been reading food blogs, all sorts of blogs. And I just realized that, you know, why not start my own blog? Um, I liked writing. I liked photography. I liked food. So why not bring that together in a space where I could also refer to it later? So there was there was an idea in my mind that this is this the writing the stuff that I would want to remember in future and as I progressed. And so I started this blog and, you know, it just became, it just became a platform, a safe space for me. Mm. And it grew from there. Hmm. And so how has your relationship and understanding of food changed since then? The <laughs> key thing that changed for me and my relationship with food like before then I liked food I cooked a lot I knew that I was gifted in terms of like putting things together combining flavors but what having mm. a blog did for me is that it it took things a step further I think I realized just how important history and heritage were and mm. and and the relationship to identity so I mean, one of the, the key thing that changed is my understanding of food, home, identity. And that's what changed for me. That, I think the identity, like food, when I, when I cooked jollof rice, for instance, mm. it seemed as if I was shouting at, oh, hey, here, I'm Nigerian. We make the best jollof. Um, <laughs> this is something from my home. I'm I'm capable because jollof is one thing that we measure people by. So, so I'm mm. capable of making good jollof. And it just became this template and this way of measuring myself and taking me deeper mm. into a relationship with food because I realized that there's more to food than just eating. There's mm -hmm. the history and culture and all of that, but there's also politics, there's the economics, there's the role of memory and nostalgia, mm -hmm. um, comfort, there's just so many things, religion, so many things that are intertwined in food and in eating that became very important to me. Hmm. Wow. This is Ife. So you know, your your whole thing is the new Nigerian kitchen and kind of digging dip kind of digging into our culture and and like understanding flavors better and the history and stuff and your thing is also like transforming Nigerian food I'd say into like dip reimagining it essentially. Mm. Um what inspired you to kind of do that specifically like really get down to the nitty-gritty and say okay in what other ways can yaji be used like in what other ways can we cook jollof you know because i i, I remember i can't remember what what it was but semi-recently or relatively recently there was kind of an uproar about something you did with nigerian food i can't remember what it was exactly and there was a lot of oh this is not how we do this this is not <laughs> like you know what what was your inspiration behind what has been your inspiration behind like kind of that's yes that reimagining and that's like diligent like 
you guys are going to you know i don't care what you're gonna what you're saying like you guys are going to kind get of like food. yeah you're gonna get this food <laughs> you're gonna come on this journey with me or you cannot but i'm gonna do this anyway mm-hmm. I, i'd oh, love yeah. to learn more about that i think i think the first thing is realizing that i'm my own person and i define the kind of life i want and i always say if i buy the gary i choose mm-hmm. how to make the eba because you know my time my money my sweat you know my choices uh. um i think a lot of times there's a misconception that a lot of the new nigerian approaches to food on the plate are kind of to be outrageous or to be outré and you know just to be just to be wild and and just to get people talking but that's not it for me it's about understanding understanding flavors and one thing that happened to me when i lived abroad was i would go out and eat and i would be like people are loading for instance mexican red rice yeah. is very similar mm-hmm. to nigerian jollof it is and all the times i've had it i've been filled with gross disappointment <laughs> I apologize. I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be funny mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. throw shade. Yeah. But yeah. I realize that you will see a rose con roja. You will see. You'll see lots of talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Nigerian food has great flavor, mm-hmm. but it's not being mm-hmm. talked about. We're not writing about it. It's. It's not in the news. Mm-hmm. And. And so part of my drive really with the new Nigerian kitchen is not just about contemporary approaches to food. It's also about preserving the traditional approaches, traditional recipes. It's about documenting mm-hmm. where we've been, where we where we are and also where we're headed. So so for me it's it's just this it's a holistic approach and it's saying let's refocus our efforts and preserving our culture and cuisine. Let's also extend those efforts to seeing how creative we can be with mm-hmm. ingredients so plantain for instance across the world if you different cultures and cuisines do a myriad of things with plantains from bake to grill to broil to to smash is soups mm-hmm. all sorts of things that aren't mm-hmm. culturally familiar to us but that mm-hmm. doesn't rule them out from being amazing it doesn't mean that we can't explore those same approaches so mm-hmm. the new nigerian kitchen for me is really about understanding the the elementals understanding the framework and then building on it and exploring the multitude of possibilities with it so for me it's about possibility it's about sharing it's about bringing to people's awareness the just the infinite combinations that are possible. And yes, people people always get outraged. So I remember making something with ube. Ube mm-hmm. is the African butter pear and it's similar to avocado. In fact, it's a it's a cross between to me it tastes like a cross between olives, um pumpkin seed oil and avocado. So mm-hmm. I I made essentially what was an avocado toast. Yeah, but with ube, so an ube toast, and then I put water leaf flowers, which are edible. But a lot of people don't know water leaf flowers are edible. The and purple so, ones. Yes, the pink ones. They're edible. Yeah, and so I put them on the toast, and people were like, "Oh my god, one day you're going to poison yourself." And I'm like, "Oh That's my a- god!" <laughs> I found that really dreadful because 
the approach wow. should be the approach should be one of inquiry it shouldn't right. be yeah. one of one of completely slagging me off i'm not the sort of person to i research almost everything everything mm-hmm. i spend a yeah. lot of time reading and researching so a lot of the decisions a lot of the things i put on the plate are actually very well informed very well yeah. researched um things that come together so but there's this typical style of when we're not for people are not familiar with the thing that they mm-hmm. that they want to attack yeah, instead of inquiring mm-hmm. and asking mm. yeah Wait, hi this is this is amayo i have a quick question so in may i think it was in may um i attended the it was i think it was like a, a food tasting and it was on bread on the continent it was hosted by Alliance Frances. I remember you were yes. there. And just like kind of like what you said about how you research so much. And I I remember sitting down there and thinking like wow she knows so much about Gigi bread. Like I've never actually sat down to think, you know, <laughs> where did this really, mm. really come from and you know how did it evolve over time and so on. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question for you is what is the most interesting fact about Nigerian food that you've discovered? Yeah, the thing that continues to blow my mind is Nigerian food being exported right and Mm. when I talk Mm. about it being exported I mean as far back as 200 years ago and maybe exported is not the right word because it went across to Brazil and to other parts of the world through slave trade you know so there's Mm. I mean it's kind of a painful memory however in spite of the pain and the torture. Um, Akara, for instance, moved over to Brazil in the 17th, 18th, 19th century and became Akaraje. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until this day, Akaraje is, mm-hmm. is worshipped in Brazil. Yeah. It, is, mm-hmm. it is sold and made by specific women who yeah. wear specific dress on the streets and there's this wow. whole rich yeah, Bahia, culture think, yeah. and history in Bahia mm-hmm. yeah in the northeastern part of Brazil and I think in fact that was the thing that changed food for me because I'm thinking this you know the enslaved people torn from homelands mm-hmm. depressed unhappy mm-hmm. beaten tortured go over to this place and they, they let their culture take roots. They remember their food and they keep it alive for over 200 years. They keep it alive so much that it is now in Brazilian culture, it is one of the icons of immeasurable value. And there's a day to celebrate it. It's one of those things that is almost in the UNESCO cultural heritage basket. So I think wow. for me that that idea the idea that nigerian food has this character and is this incredibly valuable thing that is also present beyond nigerian shores i think mm-hmm. has been the most amazing thing about this journey and it has changed my mindset and it's it's actually inspired me to um look for connections everywhere so i will take a nigerian ingredient and look for what is similar about it in other cultures and cuisines. So it's actually been a form of, I call it traveling by plate. It's it's a journey and it's been a form of exposure for me. It's taught me so much about other cultures and histories and and so much more. This is Zifeniwa. I was just wondering, what's your process doing the research? Like where 
do you start from? What's the question you typically start with? And what are the resources you typically go to? Like, do you just mind speaking about your process a little bit? No, I don't mind. I mean, honestly, I mean, um, I'm a geologist, so I'm a scientist. So I typically would have, I generally take what I like to think of as a cross between an art and science um, process of inquiry. And it starts with the five W's and one H. So who, what, where, when, how, and why. Those are the questions I ask myself about every and anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's food, whether it's um, sports, whatever. Mm. And when I take that approach, so take Chapman, for instance. So who invented Chapman or or who are the people who invented Chapman or where was it invented? How was it invented? Why was it invented? When, where? If I take that line of reasoning, I usually come away with multiple um, multiple paths to explore. Mm-hmm. And what it actually does is, one, it brings clarity for me. Mm-hmm. It ensures that all my bases are covered. Mm-hmm. But it also shows me where the gaps are. So if I ask a question and I don't have an answer, then I could pursue another line of inquiry mm-hmm. to, like, you know, till I'm able to get to the... Yeah, to the bottom of it. So that that's typically my process. It's mm-hmm. who, what, when, where, why, how. Or sometimes I use what I call a sensory exploration. So I'll, if if I have to write about a fruit, for instance, I will I will say, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And mm-hmm. it's these are very basic approaches yeah. that anyone can adopt. Mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. discover a variety of things you know wow. so yeah that's my approach um yeka over here and i kind of want to ca- talk about your transition from you know like you said you are a geologist and now doing you know food like you said earlier full-time can you talk to people um just about that transition and the decisions that you've made um that we kind of talked about earlier but we were gonna wait for the episode to begin Okay, so I essentially worked as a geologist for 15 years. Um, I'm also a mother. And my, I mean, I have two teenagers and one preteen. So life was getting pretty, pretty hectic, pretty hard for me to balance. But I think at the root of it is I had to make a personal choice about what worked for me. And work was great. I enjoyed work. It, you know, it was it was awesome. Um but I think I started transitioning many years before. So when I first started my blog, even though my blog wasn't, I wasn't thinking of my blog when I first started it as more than an outlet, I think it eventually became the thing that created that alternate career for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, like I said, I've always written, I've always been interested in food, well, almost always. Um, but for most of my adult life, I've been interested in food, photography, and writing. So I started developing those skills. I did a I did a freelance writing course. I pitched articles to people. I said, and then in all that time, I finally narrowed my niche to Nigerian food, mm-hmm. and I found myself researching Nigerian food and slowly becoming an authority on Nigerian food. Um, what made a huge difference was because 
I had been exposed to a lot of foreign food media, I was able to translate some of those ideas and concepts oh. to Nigerian cuisine. For instance, I created a seasonal produce calendar for Nigerian fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other African country that has a seasonal produce calendar is South Africa. Mm. Um, and, and so for me, just, I started apply. I started creating those sorts of documents, really trying to um, define Nigerian cuisine, explain it in a way that non-Nigerians could understand, could relate to, and could even be curious about. And so I had already started building up capacity in writing, in photography, and by extension in food styling, recipe development, um, coaching and mentoring, which is something I did, I did at work. I, um, I've always been very passionate about women's issues um, because I do, I believe that there's a there's gender disparity in so many aspects of our society. But for me, it's about encouraging, inspiring, and helping to develop, you know, women in the in these areas. So I'd always those are things I did at work. I think one of the one of the things that made um, made the transition easier was I was one person. So I was, I, I was essentially the same person at home as I was mm -hmm. at work. So at work, oh. people knew that I loved food. At work, I wrote for the, com I wrote for the company magazine and I wrote for many magazines. Um, oh. I was like a communications expert at work and I did like, you know, draft emails, draft documents, manuals and things like that. So I'm, I, I carried the same threads from oh. home to work, the best of myself from home to work and the best of work home. So at home as well, um, all, all the skills that I learned at work, um, or how to put together presentations, how to manage projects, I brought that into my personal space at work, at, um, at home. And so there was there's this kind of seamless movement between both worlds and both aspects of my life. That um, and then I just started doing more food gigs, different things. I started exposing, so at first I exposed myself to a whole variety of, of things, whether I liked them or not. At the start, I didn't know whether I liked some things. Some things I knew that, oh yes, I'm naturally inclined to do this. So I just exposed myself to a whole variety of things. And after about a year, I knew which ones I enjoyed and which ones I didn't. Mm. So to our listeners, if you couldn't, <laughs> if you couldn't figure it out on this episode, we're talking about food, about specifically, <laughs> specifically Nigerian food. Mm -hmm. And now we're just going to craft a Nigerian feast. Mm. And Yum. a Nigerian feast has <laughs> to include small chops small to, <laughs> to appease those who are maybe arrived at the event without eating in the house first. I have not eaten, no. <laughs> I'm not eating lunch and dinner, you people. I'm going to be so yes, hungry. Like, uh, like. You know, something like finger food. And so, you know, in looking at Ozo's blog, like I found a blog post where she um, talked about the history and the anatomy of, you know, Nigerian small chops. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder, like, first of all, to everyone, like, what are your, what is your top, what is your small chop of choice if somebody mm -hmm. came to you and said what is the one small chop that you you can't do without Wait, what would the that one? be 
Yes. Hi. Actually, I was going to do... T- we can do top... Th- okay, let's do top three. Okay, thanks. <laughs> we can do a top three. And also, we can just have a conversation about, you know... And Ozaz, she's, you know, our... The reason why Ozaz is here is that she's an expert um, on the history behind most of Nigerian foods. Mm-hmm. And so just talking about how important small chops are to any event, any gathering... Um, and also talk about where, you know, small chops came from. And in her blog post, she mentioned like the history behind like spring roll and samosa and just, mm-hmm. just reading that was super enlightening. So I just would like us to have start off this Nigerian feast by talking about small chops. So anybody can jump in and talk about their top three small chops. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start up here. Mm. Yeka O. Um, so. In order of preference, okay, mm-hmm. puff puff, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's called so many things in different places. I think in Ghana it's yes. called both loads, but I'm here for puff puff all day, every day. Like, thanks. Uh, my second thing, strangely enough, is mosa. I love mm. mosa so much, especially like when the pepper is just right. Mm. bless be god and then my third thing would be the grilled chicken now some people get it right some people don't but you know in the little foil packs that you get puff puff mosa and grilled chicken numb yeah i can go next this is amayo um similar to yekao i'm sorry but it's not small chops if there's no mosa i can just come on right (laughs) like what's going on here also when it's like really really oily that pisses me off i'm like (laughs) Can you at least sieve your oil out? Like, mm, it just... But no, Musa is definitely up there. I love planting. I love anything planting. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, obviously sold. Uh, so, definitely, so Musa first. Secondly, Puff Puff. And then lastly, I so recently I started seeing buns in small chops. It's not like a popular mm-hmm. thing, but I love buns. Particularly when it's, you know, like, mm. the perfect balance of, like, sweetness and... You know, the dough is just, mm, I don't know. Bons, bons is, yeah, it's under his name, guys. Life. It's, a, it's life. Right. So, hmm. Small chops. I'm hungry, guys. I literally haven't eaten <laughs> lunch or dinner, so this is going to oh, be hard no. for me. But I will I will forge ahead, you know. I'll take one for the team. Mm. Favorite small chops. Spring rolls. Spring mm. rolls. I really like spring rolls when it's done right. Um, mm. The next is puff puff. I didn't like puff puff when I was growing up because I it was always so oily and I was always so annoyed. Mm. I'm like, why is this thing? Why am I like eating oil? But now I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to like puff puff because I think people are maybe frying it better now, or like maybe I just had a terrible experience growing up. I don't know. But mm. next up is puff puff, and my third I want to say gizzard. Mm. Mm. A woman after my heart, (laughs) guys. If you and I were the same person at this point, but I used to not like puff puff, but now I'm a believer. I. (laughs) So the thing is, I don't like puff puff. I don't know. I think it was just so dense for me. I just it was there was it was so chewy. I I don't know what it was, but as a child, I just didn't like the chewy texture. Um, but now I, I love it so much and actually tried making it and I did not enjoy the experience. So I am oh, a happy God. consumer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm a happy consumer, so I'm just proud like that. I won't make it, but I will eat it. Mm. Um, so puff puff for sure. Which apparently, like Onika was saying, is known by other names in other countries. I think Buffrot and some other names by other African countries. Um, Gizzard. <laughs> ah, for the longest time, my family used to call me a village girl because there were some <laughs> foods that, like, I would just disregard the other quote unquote, like, classy things. I'm like, no, I don't want the actual chicken. I want the gizzard. That's, that's where my heart slides. Um, but also, I love samosas, which I didn't know. Like, I knew it was by way of India, but for some reason, I only knew it in the Nigerian context. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming to the States and seeing it in, like, actual Indian restaurants, I was like, oh, yeah, Nigerians did not invent samosas. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when you eat something for so long, yeah, and you associate it with a certain event and place, and then, anyway, that was just my story. I... I yeah, anyway, so those are my top three. So, Ozaz, I'm going to hand it over to you. And- so, for me, my f- three favorite things are Puff Puff, number one. Mm-hmm. But Puff Puff with chicken, like, or whatever yeah, meat. Come on in them. here. Whatever meat. Like, I have to pair them. So I think that's a tie, puff puff and chicken. Mm-hmm. And then samosa and spring rolls, kind of, it depends on who's making them. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it's, it kind of switches, but um, it's I think puff puff and chicken in first place. Um, samosa and then spring rolls. Mm-hmm. And actually, so I read the, you know, I shared the link to the history, possible history of small chops and, you know, reading about, you know, spring rolls by way of China and samosa by way of India and seeing how it's, and even actually this is a a weird tangent, but shawarma as well, Mm -hmm. like, you know, where that comes from. Yeah. Realizing, like, for example, with some with the Chinese and the Indians, like our histories and how, you know, they came, you know, to Nigeria for entrepreneurship. And of course, like with migration comes migration of actual humans also comes their foods and their culture. And so reading about that was um, on your blog was also insightful. Thank you. Yeah. Did we actually make pop pop? Let me just <laughs> just let's this one part of Can history. Can I ask? <laughs> I'm not curious to find out. They they talk about puff puff and t- like you know like when I left Nigeria, the fact that shawarma is like mm-hmm. what we eat at shawarma is not what there is at shawarma outside Nigeria. My mind was blown. I was like, ah, where is the creamy peppery? Where's the cre- um, peppery like sour cream? Is it sour yeah. cream? No, we don't use sour cream. Um, um, Almost like salad yeah. dressing. Yeah. Where's the like peppery salad dressing? Where's the sausage? What is this? <laughs> this is what I asked you for shawarma. Oh, this is not. I was expecting Nigerian shawarma, so hmm, be warned. And also, be careful. <laughs> yeah, the fascinating thing is just how much cultures and cuisines change, and you know. Mm. transform into this whole other thing mm-hmm. 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 that's very true i think that that's really i mean like people move places and they impact cultures and cuisines in such profound mm-hmm. ways and mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot of the things that we think are ours originally aren't. Mm. That's a that's mm. a shock. Yeah. You know, but, <clears throat> but yeah. I have a question. So sorry, this is a bit off of small talks. So you can always come back because you know it's still a fave. Um, but I, st- I recently started watching this TV show called Chef's Table. Oh my god! And I think oh. it's 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 up there. <laughs> it's definitely up there. Um, but I think for me, one of my my favorite episodes are, or my favorite features are the ones of chefs that you know always go back to their roots, and you know discover mm. you know the unique cooking techniques of where they are from and they try and you know implement them in their restaurants and in their cooking um so i guess my question for you is what is one i guess nigerian cooking technique or special ingredient that you know is either special to you or unique to you and why or one that you hope never dies or one that you know hope hopefully comes back Mm. as mainstream in the cooking scene i don't know if that's Mm. too much um, it's not too much. I think I think Suya Spice Yaji has great potential. I think mm-hmm. it has potential beyond just Suya and meat. I think mm-hmm. the applications in sauces, even even sweet applications in desserts and things like cookies and mm-hmm. even drinks. I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things that it just has the right balance of sweet, salty, yes, spicy, spicy, and flavor, right? It, it's mm-hmm. very well balanced, and and it does so well with a combination of things. So with plantain, it's great. With like, with the core things it's known for, it is awesome. But mm-hmm. then when you when you extend the boundaries a bit, it makes a delightful sauce combined with peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know mix it with other spices and use it to season your jollof rice. It's also mm. awesome. So there this there are all these possibilities that I think could you know that Yaji could could have that, you know, it's 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 one thing I would hope stays forever. As well as pepper soup spice and banga spice blend. Oh, yeah. and, you know, there's a there's a whole lot but um, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Wow. All right. So since we've discussed small chops, uh, we're going to move on to jollof rice spelled with a capital J. <laughs> there shall be no disrespecting of jollof rice in this household. <laughs> <laughs> me and my household, we shall what? Let me just pull back small. Let me just calm down. But like, um, there's a wonderful video on kitchen, um, kitchen butterfly, um, which is about and which is titled an ode to jollof mm-hmm. and somebody on the, i think as uh, i think you're the one that said this that there's um any party w- without jollof is essentially a meeting you're like, right it's not yes. a party if there's mm-hmm. no jollof um and there are different kinds of jollof from you know jollof that is made at home to party jollof mm-hmm. um and how like Essentially, like, if you go to a party, if you go to a birthday, if you go to a wedding, if you go to a funeral, jollof, jollof has to be there. If jollof is not there, then what are y'all doing? Like, what's going on? Um, and 
on your blog, you also talked about how jollof rice is essentially a gift from this um, ethnic group called Wolof, mm-hmm. which is present across Senegal and the Gambia and Mauritania. And I remember once I was running my mouth at a Senegalese restaurant that Nigerians <laughs> invented jollof. <laughs> and I was, I was very sharply corrected. Um, so I just want us to talk about like what is so special about jollof and what separates good jollof from bad jollof. And also, what's up with the Nigerian and Ghanaian jollof wars, please? <laughs> I think, I think what's this, what, what is special about jollof rice is it's found across West Africa. So if I had to think of something that unified plates and tables and, you know, and, mm. and those cuisines, it, it would be jollof rice. Every West African country has a version. That's something we can all mm. relate to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also incredibly interesting that, you know, a lot of the things that go to making jollof what it is went originally African. The rice mm. was, yeah, so I'm not talking about rice. So the rice, mm. and we've always had varieties of, there are only two varieties of rice in the world. And it is the, there's the African variety and the Asian variety, and everything else is kind of a variation. So the rice was here. Mm. But things like the tomatoes came from the New World, the chilies came from the New World, the spice blends that are now very familiar to us, the curry powder mm-hmm. is like a colonial creation through Britain from India. Um, mm-hmm. So those things that define, characterize jollof rice were n- not necessarily African at the start. But... Um, yeah, and I think that's really fascinating when we talk about taking something and really making it your own and excelling mm-hmm. at it. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess because we understand flavor, we're able to deliver, you know, pot after pot of delicious jollof. And and I, like, I don't want to come, I mean, the first jollof, apart from Nigerian jollof that I tasted, was Ghanaian. But it was weird because it was cooked by a Spanish chef in Ghana, and it was amazing. It, it was so good. But I acknowledge that everything was different about it. The rice was different. The spice blend was different. The method of cooking was different. And I think that just opened my mind up to the fact that, I beg, there are different types of jollof. And even sometimes, some days, my jollof is better than, you know, my jollof varies you know, mm-hmm. this week it's great. Mm-hmm. Next week it might be even better. So there's even variation, mm-hmm. you know, with my own cooking and not mm-hmm. a talk of, of different countries. And I think our palates are also really, True. really yeah. defined by things that we, we've grown up with, that we're used to, that we enjoy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as, as, as something light and, you know, a fun point, Yes, we can argue about Nigerian and Ghanaian jollof. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting that we all come together to fight other countries, share. Like, we'll fight the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, Nigeria and Ghana will come together to fight the rest of the world if they say something about jollof. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. also quite interesting. And I think it's also quite telling, you know, that, you know, it's just banter. Sometimes. Nigerian jollof is still better, mm-hmm. share, but it's mostly <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Similar to Ozo's, like, 
even I don't think I've ever cooked the same type of jollof. Like it's mm-hmm. like it's all it's. I don't think my jollof, my jollof has ever tasted the same back to back. Sometimes it's a hit. Sometimes it's a miss. And <laughs> and the I honesty is what counts. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just gonna say it out loud on here. You know. I'm not perfect, guys. <laughs> um, but no, like sometimes I use vegetables. So like sometimes oh. I try to be fake this farm. Sometimes I'll mm. add some shrimp in there. Sometimes I'll add just like oh. random things, um, experimenting and whatnot. Um, I've had Ghanaian jollof once. It wasn't really anything special. I'm not even hating. I'm just, you know, facts. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm still yet to try Senegalese jollof. Um, but yeah, I think similar, it kind of like what Oza said, it just, it, people cook it in different ways. And I'm open to trying um, mm-hmm. different kinds, you know, with an mm-hmm. open mind. Uh, yeah. I don't get the fuss mm-hmm. between Ghanaian and versus Nigerian jollof, honestly. I Like, I get mm-hmm. the banter and I get the, the um, what's this, the, the playful sibling rivalry. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I still haven't had the... The Senegalese jollof. How do you pronounce it? The one with fish and stuff. How do you Chibu pronounce Jen. it? Chibu Chibu Jen. Jen. I still haven't. I still haven't had it yet. Wow. So I didn't always eat jollof. <laughs> I used one. to prefer white rice and stew. Okay, right. <laughs> I was a white rice and stew good. girl. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would just drizzle <laughs> all the stew on my white rice. I'm like. <laughs> Yes, Ooh, yes, I loved yeah. me some good white rice and stew. But then eventually I was like, okay, this jollof rice has something to offer. <laughs> and then I realized like there's a difference. Not everybody makes good jollof. Like even mm-hmm. when we say like Nigerian jollof is better, ah, jollof has Nigerian jollof has levels. Yeah, it has like levels. some people yeah, the true. the jollof is not true. as red, it's not as spicy, mm-hmm. it's not. And then you go there's party jollof, which jell-off. is just like smoky. Yeah. Has this like smoky taste, um, but in addition to jollof, there's typically swallow mm. at a party, which mm. it's always hard for me to explain to people who haven't had swallow like what swallow is, mm-hmm. and there are different kinds of swallow. So I'm wondering, like for you guys, what is your swallow of you know of your preferred swallow, and like what soup would you have to go with that? I can start because this one is so easy for me. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this weird flex, but okay. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, it has to be pounded yam. And mm. preferably the actual pounded yam and not olala, but I'll eat that too because, you know, <laughs> can't be too picky. Can't um, be too cheesy sometimes. Can't, I really can't. Um, my soup of choice is probably white soup. I just, oh. I can't mm. get enough. Probably because um, we don't make it that much at home. So, when my mom makes it it's like it's a special day like maybe mm. had somebody special is coming from god knows where so yeah pounded yam and white soup hmm. Yika, oh and i'm i'm really struggling with this question like it would be much easier for me to say what is my least favorite swallow than my favorite swallow wow um, i mean fam whatever but... works for you go ahead <laughs> but i mean i was just first of all come out and say i actually hate it but like when i was a kid and I knew because we had like a food timetable growing up. Um, and when I knew it was a bad days, like I'll get sick, pretend sick, <laughs> until my mom clocked what I was doing and she was like, mm, you won't eat dinner, that's all. So, um, yeah, I sorry, I hate to interrupt you, but I remember I used to throw my eba behind my sofa. 
they would be stuck <laughs> stuck on the curtains. And my mother would come one day and find she found like a huge clump of a bow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, sorry. Go on, you guys. Oh let me know. Okay, so that's my worst. But when it comes to swallows, I love pounded yam. I'm with you, Amayo, pounded yam. Um mm-hmm. I love pounded yam with pepper soup or with egusi. Um mm-hmm. I also love starch. Wait, did you say with pepper soup or with white soup? Because I know white soup is made with pepper soup spices. Do you mean like pepper soup? Wow. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. So Carry in my on. house, I don't know. It's just stuff that my mom did. Because I mean, even Are growing up, like, do you guys have? Do you have Isoko or Robo blood? Um. No. So growing up, my neighbors were Robo. Okay. So we would have starch and banga like all the time, or even like have uh, ukodo, which is like pepper soup <sighs> and yam. So mm. it was just the uh, yes. Yeah, anyways, yeah. shout shout out to intertribal neighbors. Anyways, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Stach and Banga, I am here. Listen, it, this wouldn't be like an Issa where I'll be selling my birthright type of stuff, but it's close. Like, it's close. I love Stach. Um, and then my last swallow would be Amala. I can't eat Amala with anything. So, yeah, that's why it's mm. difficult for me to... Yeah. pick which one. Oh, and the last thing which people really think is weird i love echo and mm. i love echo mm. at the end okay i do love echo all right i'm done you guys <laughs> <clears throat> sorry i'm like it's in dinner and putting myself on mute so that's why i'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me chewing <laughs> if there was for dinner please share spaghetti um, spaghetti and yes. sausage my sister made it, mm. so my Aww. sister, the new hey, barista and, cook. and solicitor yes. for the Supreme Court of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. For me, as a Yoruba girl mm. with egg bar roots <laughs> and Ibadan <laughs> and Ibadan eh, affiliation, mm. Amala, Begiri, Ewedu, is big. Give us. Yes. Yes, yes, always and forever be bae. That's that combination, <laughs> number one. Then I'm odd mm. in the sense that I love fufu. Mm. Fufu comes a close second for me. I know fufu, aku, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like it because it smells, but I like it. I like the sour mm-hmm. taste. Okay. I like mm. that, that like variety, that variation in like the texture, how it's like soft and, and it's sour. I like sour things. So mm. fufu and eforiro, fufu and egusi. Mm. yes those are my things then i don't growing up i didn't like eba which is odd because my mother is Ijebu, but i didn't like eba and i think it's because there was one time i ate eba and it like got stuck in my throat so every time i eat eba i feel like i'm low-key choking so i can only eat eba with okra like i love eba and okra but okay. I will only eat eba with okra. I won't eat eba with anything else. So that's mm. that's me and swallow. Mm. Yeah. This is Ifeiwa, and I'm torn between pound. Well, if I'm having pounded yam, I'm having a white soup and salad mm. soup, as as I know it, with some catfish. Mm. And yes, if I'm having ah amala, I I like amala with okra, but the way the Yorubas do it with stew. Hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. mix it with stew and have it with tamala. That's what I'll do, and then I'll, I'll wash my hand and then <laughs> dive in. And then I'll wash my hand. <laughs> I just wash my hand and just whoop, dive into the to bed. To bed. Like, well, I've never had a um, before. I don't, I don't know mm, how you guys wow. do. 
Am I also that again? Um, I have never had Amala in my life. Me wow. and you, the next yeah. time you're at home, we are going to <laughs> Ebuka. We are going to an Amala joint. Okay? I, I can't from I can't promise you that I'll eat that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> So, Amaya, what you just confessed is that this she's <laughs> this not open to new experiences. It's clearly <laughs> what you're saying. Wow. Okay. So, I wanted us. To, oh, also, did you oh, already? No, I didn't talk? go. I didn't go. Oh, Please I go. Sorry. So for Please me, go. it's no. I'm, I'm half Edu and half um, Delta. So I like to think of myself as Bendale. Yes. Mm. I mean, but that's pre. That's pre a lot of you guys. <clears throat> oh, <come on. laughs> I'm not trying to be ageist, but anyways, um, <laughs> pounded yam, pounded yam, and egusi, and pounded yam and mm. okra and stew. You know, like mm. white okra mm. and stew, mm-hmm. and then there's starch mm, yes. and banga. Then yes. there's amala mm. and ewedo okay. and begiri. Then there's mm. eba and wow. banga as well as starch and banga. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't discriminate Level. much. There's some things I don't. I mean, I don't like. I don't like. I think it's. Is it lafung? There's one that is a mix of cornmeal and cassava that I don't like. A swallow. But the others are, you know, fake. I mean, I will even eat olaola. Like that's <laughs> that's. I will like. I will eat it. I will cook it. In fact, I have olaola in my cupboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really Full. like Ola Ola, but it, well, if it's if what if that's what's available, then I will. Yeah, it comes down to it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah when it's just you at home, So, ladies, to wash down this meal mm, that you've just you know had in quotes, quote mm. unquote, mm. had. What would you wash it down with? But I'm also curious to hear from you guys. What about Nigerian food comforts you and okay. or even puzzles you? Mm. Comforts. But first of all, you can wash down what you just ate. I mean, I wash it down <laughs> with a shandy. With a shandy. Mm. Um, I would mm. go for a, a, la- a shandy, but then I would add some lime juice to it. So I'll mm-hmm. just, just get Sprite and a lager and probably go like half and half mm-hmm. and then and then a squeeze of lime. Mm-hmm. That sounds so refreshing. My daddy recently pipped me to that Sprite and, and trophy beer. Mm. Yeah. Really? I'd never heard of that before. It was just a shandy. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Nigeria, we had something called Green Sands Shandy in like the 80s. And mm. parents used to let their kids drink it a lot till I think there was some uproar about it having alcohol. It's like a small percent, like four four percent or something. <laughs> but I think it got banned. But I mean, we'd already learned how to how to make our own mixes, and it's essentially it's essentially lemon and lime soda and a lager. So, mm. but then I do different variations, of course, because you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is Amayo. I think I would do like a nice chilled star radler. It has to be on the rocks, like ice, because if it's not cold, it's not happening. So yeah, star radler. Yeah, so the radler is a shandy. It's a same. It's a similar sort of. Yeah. It's a similar thing as mm-hmm. a shandy. So yeah. Uh, this is a I will do a berry blast because that's what mm. I'm drinking now. <laughs> like Ribena. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't. Um, Yeka, oh, I think I'll probably do like a multi Guinness. Mm. Mm. Like a cold multi Guinness, yeah. Not an Amstel. Yeah. No, mm-mm. 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 no, 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 no. And there's a, a purist. Like, I'm, mm-mm. I'm not, mm-mm. no Amstel. Yeah, yeah. Like, no Vita Malt. Mm-mm. It has wow. to be like multi wow. No high malt. You know? Mm-mm. No, please. I can even Maltina? manage like Maltina even, but okay. Vita mm. Malts. Ah, no. That's just going too far. I'm, I'm with Oyeka. But, no, what is that? Right? <laughs> like, Brandon is even cute. An, nah. an imitation gone wrong. Um, yeah, for me, it's this. I'm same with Oyeka. I like the Malta Guinness, the taste, uh, either that or Maltina. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. But it has to be chilled. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. fam, why not savages? <laughs> Give me that thing chilled. <laughs> Give me that thing chilled. Um, so lastly, guys, like I was saying earlier, what about Nigerian food comforts you or and or puzzles you? Okay, so... Oh, I can go. Oh, and I was having a conversation with my friend because I was really trying to think of what puzzles me about Nigerian food. Um, And I remember a conversation I had with my friend, Shagun. He was talking about like eating like the butt of a chicken and like how like we just have these really weird. (laughs) I don't know if you guys had it growing up or you had like chicken bomb bomb, you know, and up till today, like he still wouldn't eat that because it just has like this weird i don't know connotation to it and i think it's just interesting that we'll cook with it but like still have all these really silly i don't know ideas about why we shouldn't be eating it but it's in the soup so clearly should be fine i don't Hmm. know but what comforts me um i think is the fact that regardless of where i am you know whether it's in the state so i'm back home in lagos like that it is it's still gonna be good like so i just made puff puff yesterday and it's like it's the same puff puff so that's comforting to mm. me that i can go anywhere and as long as i have the ingredients like i'm good to go mm. this is fair so what puzzles me about nigerian food is how we have such like rich flavors and stuff but like there's this monotony rice swallow <laughs> beans yam <laughs> rice so i'm like oh my god thinking about what to eat is such a struggle for me because like i don't particularly enjoy cooking so i mm. eat i like i buy food out a lot and it's just like please give me something else please help me help <laughs> so i think just the things are changing now thanks to people like us but like just Sometimes I feel like the lack of imagination when it comes mm. to food. And I think that mm. lack of imagination is not necessarily like, I think it's not, I think it's born out of, you know, circumstances that are making crayfish bend in terms of like the, the lack of power and the, you know, like lack of um, preservation th- things to preserve food with that just kind of limits your scope because you're like, please. I can't keep this for too long and it just limits your creativity and also I guess the time you spend in traffic and mm. like Nigeria is just so stressful there just like let me just conserve brain power and just like eat the standards I guess mm. so for me yeah that's what puzzles me about Nigerian food how it can get monotonous but when there's still so much like I can't confidently tell you that I know Haosa cuisine or mm. I know 
like reverse quiz and somebody like showed me there's this picture that was going around about like some rivers soup with like all the like seafood delicacies i was like oh my god gets in my belly <laughs> um but yeah i guess the monotony and like how cross regionally like food hasn't really been i, mean, I should speak for myself like i haven't really experienced like cross pollination and cross regional mixing of our foods and yeah hmm. what comforts me about nigerian food is that it's it reminds me it's home it's familiar it makes me happy it makes me think of love and family and hmm. and yeah and like living away from home for from for a long time nigerian food was like what made me was one of the things that made me feel like connected to home so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> all right i think what puzzles me uh, amongst many other things is how Nigerians eat Amala and we do. I just <laughs> it's, it's Amaya, what a wow! I'm sorry, I just, I'm like yeah, I've fallen over. <laughs> and she's serious, but go on. I'm actually really serious. Like it's actually it's really confusing. Like, the mix of colors and then the textures. I'm just it's it's just. But yeah, you haven't had it though. It's quite scary. I'm just saying, <laughs> from the look alone, it's like why, mm. why, why, why go further? Just stop right there. Anywho, I'm just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> what comforts me is, hmm, I think, just a lot of our key ingredients. Um, I don't know, just the flavors and textures. I don't know. I just. Like akara will always be akara, and it will mm. always be amazing with bread, like a gigi bread, just like things like that. Mm. Or um, like how we combine different things, like I said, um, um a gigi bread and akara. Or how people eat like rice and ikusi, just how you can mix and mm-hmm. match <laughs> different things. Um, yeah. Hmm. Recently, I had. Do you guys know when I talk about? Um, African salad. Do you know what I'm talking about? Abacha. Mm-hmm. Nigerian Abacha. salad. Abacha. Actually, that's not what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Abacha I love Abacha now. So what is African salad? Oh, but salad? I was... Well, I was also thinking... You know... Okay. Oh, so coach, I went to is it the coleslaw? Na- yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, so that's, that's, so that's what you said. How can you... No, no, you say wow. salad. Some of us questioning our traditional... Please. That's just salad. So wait, what... Not salad. Oh, that's just salad. salad. Yeah, no, it's not salad. It's okay. salad. Mm. It's salad. It's salad cream. <laughs> so it's funny nice. because I, I I went to potluck and they had it there, and I remember thinking like, oh, mm. what we call salad is is very different. It is oh. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, the things that were mixed in, and mm-hmm. how like even here in the states, like when I get salad, I would never put those things together. Mm. Like I would never put mayo in my salad. Um, but it was one of the best things I had at that potluck. It had like egg, it had mayo, it had carrots, it had some kind of pasta, baked beans. Mm. It was macaroni. My head they bust, but (laughs) the thing still it was still tapping. Like my, (laughs) so it was just like seeing all these things come together in you know. In a way that it might look confusing, <laughs> you know, without tasting, and then you taste it, but it makes sense when mm-hmm. you taste it. Makes sense. Um, 
So I think that's what com- comforts me about Nigerian food. Like it's like if I said it's nostalgic, but the way the flavors come together to make sense, mm-hmm. um, it's just what I, what I find comforting. And a lot of Nigerian food is like spicy, and I just I cherish food that is spicy. I think what comforts me is. Huh, the flavors, familiar, delicious, spicy, incredibly well-balanced. Like if you actually mm. study the makeup of a lot of dishes, they're actually very well-balanced. Um, and I think what surprises me is just how little-known Nigerian cuisine is, like how poorly defined it is, how there's, a, there's just so little food media about Nigerian cuisine. I mean, things are changing, yes. But compared mm. to how the man on the Nigerian street knows about a hamburger, yeah, we're like we know so much about foreign cuisines that I want, I want other cultures to have that basic awareness of what Nigerian food is. So I think it still surprises me just how undiscovered Nigerian cuisine is, mm. but also how how a lot of things are dying. So we talk about no variety with Nigerian food, which is the complete opposite. I mean, I put together a document and the the wealth of Nigerian dishes is mind blowing. But because we don't do an excellent job of documenting, we we forget a lot. A lot of things get lost you know, between generations, things die, things disappear. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's one of my, that's one of the things that drives me is really to document this historical recipes. These things that will be forever lost if we're not careful about documenting and preserving them. And so mm. it's, it's very, that that's the thing that surprises me. Like, why don't we do more to preserve these things there's so much Mm. you talk to people and they're mentioning Mm. dishes you spend the day on the streets and you see things that you're like what this exists i read about it in an 80s cookbook and there's just this whole variety of things that you know that we're we're missing but hopefully you know Mm. we with more food writers and more people passionate about documenting the entirety of our culture we will capture some of these things and at least document them for posterity. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so you you pioneered um, Jollof and you know like this Jollof festival which you were heavily involved in. I think maybe you created the Jollof festival in in Nigeria. I just want to learn more about like your experience, kind of publicizing or like getting moving food culture and discussion from url to irl like you know from online to in real life um how has building that like presence that actual community on the ground been for you and uh, what are the lessons you've learned in doing that because i'm sure it's not easy like you know putting together a food festival and like having physical presence and and events in in lagos and promoting food and new nigerian kitchen so yeah Okay, I think for me, um, I discovered World Jollof Rice Day in 2015, and I was I, like, I didn't know 
where that came from. But I just thought, oh my God, this is such an amazing idea. And I wanted to do something to celebrate it, right? So 2015, what did I do? I didn't do much. I made a few different types of jollof rice and shared that on my blog. And people were really engaged on Twitter, on Instagram. People were like, oh, nice, 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 nice. The following year, I said to myself, why not have an event to mark this day? Why not have an event that looks at what jollof rice is, where it's come from, and all of that. And I met this guy who's a sculptor and an artist. His name is Falakunle Oshun. He had put together um, a jollof festival, and it, there was a cook-off. And you know, I participated in the cook-off. This was a, at the end of 2015. And so in 2016, when I was thinking about what I could do, I said, oh, I was going to do something about jollof in the arts. So I did three things. I had a jollof installation where we had all the different elements of jollof. We had the big wooden spoon, we had the shaki pot, and we had the spices and all of that. And that was like, there was a, like, there was a whole installation in like a gallery. And then I also convened a discussion. And in that discussion, Falakunle Oshun was part of it. And he had traveled different parts of West Africa and had tried jollof in those places. So he was able to share his experiences with the different jollofs, what the variations were, the different flavors, serving styles and all of that. And then we also had a session where we looked at jollof rice in literature. Because if you read many, many Nigerian books have jollof rice. Jollof rice features in one form or the other, celebration, um, sorrow, um, friendship. J jollof rice just seemed to be this thing that had, it was symbolic in very, in, in different situations. And so we kind of read a few books, um, Americana, Half of a Yellow Sun, and by Chimamanda. And then the Silver Spoon by a guy called Eddie And in the Silver Spoon, there's a short lesson about not stirring a pot of jollof rice with a metal spoon and using a wooden spoon. So you just, there was just this whole discussion about jollof rice and its significance and how to cook it. But then the following year, I knew that I wanted to do a food festival. And, but I'm very much a creative. I am a bit slow to execute. So I looked for partners who had that festival experience. And so I partnered with a group who had, who had, who had organized food festivals in the past. And we found sponsors and people were really keen. You know, people were like, oh, you can make many types of jollof, wow. And so that first <laughs> festival was 2017. People were completely wowed because you had um, Italian takes on jollof, you had small chops and jollof. You know, there's just this whole variety of jollof styles and dishes that I think kind of broadened people's minds a bit about what jollof was, what it is and what it also could be. And then we repeated that this year, and this time we did jollof another thing. So essentially, jollof could also be a metaphor for coming together, for unity, for shared plates, um, for mm. discovery, for exploration. So we kind of um, also had a, a whole set of vendors who, who made artisanal products, so small batch drinks, small batch snacks, and things like that. So it was also a way to generally grow 
you know, the, the small and medium enterprise side of the Nigerian food industry. And I mean, it's been well received. I think when we back up um, events like this with with data, when we share knowledge, when we when the passion shines, uh, when we're able to show people perspectives that they might not yet have considered or perspectives that might be new to them, there's an openness, there's an excitement. So I think all of that contributed to people want to know like, oh well, this jollof thing should be celebrated. And and the and we also had merchandise, so nice t-shirts with different jollof sayings. And I think that all adds mm-hmm. to this whole oh yeah, this is something we can be proud of. Let's celebrate it. Let's get behind it. Let's be part of it. So, I mean, the 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 reception has been great because I think our awareness and our concept of food and, and food culture is changing. So there's room for a lot of exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, mostly. Thank you. And my last question for everybody. Unexpected Nigerian flavors that go together. Corn and ube, like, it's expected for us because, like, we grew up with corn Mm -hmm. and ube, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I think we're the only ones that do that. Corn and pear. Has anybody else seen corn and pear? Uh, I think, so kind of like how she said, avocados and ube are similar. Mm -hmm. You know how some people put corn in guac. Yeah. Mm. So, eh? What? Yeah. yeah. Corn in guac. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait. I guess. Oh. I like maybe because be. it's corn tortilla chips, but no. with guac. Yeah, corn, corn tortilla inside, chips. Inside, inside, guac, inside, inside the guac. I've definitely like had corn. like corn Sacrilege. with mm. peppers and onions and like their yeah. guac. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you just reminded me of one. Um, coconut and this, uh, what's it called? It's like from tapioca. Popogari mm-hmm. mm. oh. or, or, um, yeah, I know what you mean. But coconut and cassava, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh my God, blessed be God. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think for me it's garden egg and that peanut butter. Yes. Oh, wow. like, it's it's, yeah. it's it blows my mind every time. I'm just like, yes, this is the perfect yeah. combination. So yeah. either like groundnuts or like the groundnut paste. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. usoji. Yeah, usoji. Yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Guys, I just realized. I just recently learned that garden eggs are actually aubergines or eggplants. Yeah. They're no, they're not. They're 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 not like from the same family. I don't know from the same family. They're yeah, from they're the, the same, same family, family, but they're not mm-hmm. the same. I mean, it's Egg it's kind of the different. similarity between banana and plantains. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can cook bananas, but you can also eat them raw. Plantains, mm-hmm. you would only cook. It's yeah. the same sort of thing. Garden eggs, you can eat raw and you can raw, cook. cook. Aubergines, you can only cook. Yeah. So but like, I didn't even know they were related. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they are very, yeah. they are very, so very my related. Mind, my mind was blown. I was like, <laughs> wow. They are related. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, any unexpected yeah. flavors? Um, I have two that came to mind. Bole with the granite. Mm-hmm. 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 They are both so very dry, but, <laughs> 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 but <laughs> we combined <laughs> we combined them together. Yeah, 
together and it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. But also Papa Nakara. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good combo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. But Charlie, I can't have my pap without the <laughs> Akara. We need Akara on deck to accompany the pap. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, for, for me, Moi Moi and Quaker Oats and Oats. and toast and oats oh my god um but then also i make a i make a sauce which is kind of like a floral cranberry sauce from from zobo flowers so when i'm done Mm. making the zobo infusion like the drink Mm. i blitz the flowers up with a bit of sugar and green chili and it makes an amazing sauce or you know it's almost like cranberry sauce but just a floral Mm. kind of but I love it with suya, and I love it with burgers what? and with puff wow. puff. Like, okay, yes. okay, Azaz, now you're blowing my mind. Azaz, now that we have you on like a recording, yeah. can we like visit? <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> Just say <laughs> when. Just say when. And what are you bringing? Okay. We can. You know? We can do that. Fair trade. Can we make this a bit? Okay. All right. I'm down. I'm down. You guys heard it. It's here. We have a recording of it. Okay, wonderful. Awesome. So thank you, Azaz, for join thank you for joining us. Yeah. This was a really fun conversation. Mm-hmm. And just to for all of us to know and for those listening, what's up next for Kitchen Butterfly? Yes. And oh, you what's next for Kitchen Butterfly? Um a lot of food media projects, so uh, mm-hmm. things around food writing and food photography and food styling yeah. with elements of teaching. So for me, it's it's great that I do all these things, but I think it would, it would be even better if there were more people writing and creating food content, um, mm-hmm. solid food content, yeah. Mm around Nigerian cuisine. So I think those are some of the things that I will be exploring more mm. in the future, in the near future. And then also I'm, I'm, I'm working on um, subscription boxes with lo- there's, there's, there's so many incredible Nigerian products that I wow. think more people I'd should know that. about. So I'm, I'm actually curating boxes and putting them together. Nice. Yes. Wow. That sounds exciting. It does. Well, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> so where can the people find you, Azaz? You can find me on my blog at kitchenbutterfly.com, Instagram at kitchenbutterfly, Twitter at kitchenbutterfly, but there's no E in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess if you search kitchen butterfly, I should come up and yeah. yeah. Yeah, yes. so now you know, guys. Check out kitchenbutterfly.com and all her social media platforms. There's actually a very fun feature about plantains going on on her blog, which yeah. I absolutely love. <laughs> so check that out. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Thank you.